0: We're here. We're here. We're clear. We're playing, talking about guitars. Welcome, everybody. That to doesn't Sharpen that axe. at all. It doesn't at all. Uh. Don't want any more bears. Uh, welcome, everybody, to <laughs> Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Nailed it. Uh, uh. We are on episode 30, possibly. We need to double check. Uh, episode 30? Yeah, episode 30. We're here. Yeah, we're 30. We need to move out of our mom's basement. For, for we need to get on with our lives. Uh, we're 30 if Uh, you have a basement Uh, otherwise the attic i think yeah the attics in ireland the attic would be more common yeah Uh, it's it's where you keep your your gaming chair and your stack of 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 guitar techniques magazines and punk.
1: <laughs> uh, the
0: amount of money you've wasted on guitar techniques that's it's oh never waste, never, wasted. never, never, especially not when my grandmother still buys them for me. Bless, Bless her <sighs> oh, her. your grandmother, uh, good grief. Oh man, she, she, she's she's a sound old skin. So, welcome everybody. We've had a pretty busy week. Uh, I am currently in Vietnam, so we are recording this a week previous. Um, spoiler. Uh, but we have a great show in store for you. Uh, we have an interview with legendary French. How would you describe his style of guitar playing, John?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, he he would, He's sort
0: of like the French Guthrie Govan. Like, that's yeah. probably the best way to put it. There's even an interview between them on YouTube, which is charming as hell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Do you watch it. Do watch it. Yeah, it's 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 worth it. Uh, we're also going to be talking strings. We're going to talk about what we've been listening to and working on, as always. But John, it is my turn for lick of the week. So do you have the file open and ready to go? I do. I do. Or turn down your volume a little bit. It might kill you. <laughs> it just might.
1: Yes. oh man that's that's heavy
0: yeah that is very heavy but i don't know who that is that is and it's a blast from the past hidden thing we talked about before that is becoming by pantera
1: oh um, i was okay should have i should have guessed
0: the most guessed. interesting thing about that song is uh as a drummer it's one of the hardest things I like to play because you're basically you're using a double kick, but you're doing doubles with your right foot, and then you're basically doing triplets, uh, but you're breaking triplets into subdivisions, and you're playing different parts with your right. You're doing doubles with your right, and then you're completing the triplet with your left. Uh, it's 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 mind-boggling to play on drums. It's one of the best drum beats ever made, and on top of that, to accentuate it, uh, every snare beat, Dimebag is using the whammy pedal. Up. So he's basically yeah, just he chugging along on the low string, and then for each snare beat, don't, dun, where? It's, it's, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so it's, uh, it's one of my favorites. We were talking about uh, Dimebag on Pedal Talk a few weeks ago. So I thought, why not stick it in there? It's one of his best riffs, I think. That's, yeah, so heavy, so good so good. and um, a funny thing about segueing gently in to pedal talk but a thing about Pantera what made them quite interesting about them was their tuning. Have you any have you any have you heard anything about how Dimebag tuned his strings? No, go ahead. It's so Dimebag what he used to do is he used to they used to tune down to they used to go down a full tone down to D and then they used to go down a quarter tone. And uh, oh. after that just to give it that edge between D and C sharp. And he felt it was like the perfect kind of timbre for all the music coming together, giving it that extra bit of heaviness. I think I read also as well that it, it became so that nobody could really play along with them because they were in such a specific type of tuning. Um, I don't know, that could be just a, a legend, but yeah. So we are talking about strings today as part of pedal talk. Strings aren't pedals at all, John. We've totally lost minds. Are, are, uh, are you sure? Could you have a, a, a pedal, a string pedal? You, I, I, I've heard about pedals being boosters for pickups, but they were for strings. We are on a, a string, string extravaganza, string extravaganza. So John strings, your thoughts, are you very particular about your strings?
1: um a bit particular I, at one time i think i was more particular but there are certain certain brands that i don't like for my own personal playing and others that i still will kind of sometimes gravitate towards even though i don't really have a good reason other than nostalgia so so what do you like what, what strings would you use on my electric i typically use the diatarios uh, mm-hmm. so i use tens it's cool. i think it's a 10 to 46 is what it is and I, I just, I prefer the feel of the 10s, just a little bit more weight behind it. In, I, I made the transition from 9s to 10s because I was looking for a little beefier sound. I think I convinced my young ears that that actually <laughs> happens. But since, and we'll get to this as, as we go through, but since then, I, I'm, not as, I'm not as convinced that your string gauge has that much to do with your sound. I think controversial
0: maybe,
1: but but maybe not as much so yourself what do you you, you play something you play heavy don't you You use like 11s or something
0: right i do use 11s and the, the reason i use 11s is because uh, a few years ago i had tens on my epiphone riviera uh it's a big hollow body and a friend of mine was doing a jazz recital for college and right. he needed uh, he had the exact same guitar as me uh, but he probably didn't buy his off a junkie like I did, and he. Um, yes, I, I famously bought my Epiphone Riviera off a junkie in Dublin for two hundred and sixty euro, which is probably stolen. So anyway, uh, long story short, uh, so he borrowed it and for his recital and didn't tell me that he put elevens. He changed the strings completely because he wanted that, that lush jazz sound. So you put 11s on it and gave it back. And I was like, whoa, these are weird. And I basically ended up using 11s out of sheer laziness because did you ever try changing strings with a Bigsby? It's a pain in the ass. Oh so, my I, so I just left them on and then my fingers just adjusted as they want to do. Plus I play a lot of acoustics, so I think that helped as well. And yeah, I just really liked the sound. And then I went back, uh, went back to 10s. I just didn't like it at all. Uh, so yeah, I've been an eleven player for quite a while, and yeah, I dig it, man. I think it's good. Is I it, think it does add do something.
1: You, to the same. Do you not like the way the the
0: tens sound, or the way they feel, or you? Feel I like think it's so. just true. I don't like the way they feel. No. I think it's just a thing. I think I I have much more control over my bends if uh, they're elevens. I find that with tens, I kind of can overstep or understep the mark depending on the pressure that I put on them.
1: Yeah, you yes. know, that makes sense, because I feel the same way about nines. I, I feel like if I'm playing nines, that it's really easy for me, instead of going up, for example, like a whole step, I end up bending a minor third, or somewhere between a minor and a major third. God, we're <laughs> getting nerdy here. Style.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, that's um, it. I, I, I find, yeah, I'm also a Daddario guy for my electric. Uh, with my acoustic, I use pretty much exclusively elixirs, because they just last forever right uh, and they sound really great and then when i started using them everybody was like use elixirs on your electric and i did and i just found it was kind of a waste of money the daria's are great and they're mm. really long lasting as well and they I, never break on me i
1: kind of feel the same about the the elixirs for electric one i i don't really like elixirs anyway i think the whatever it is they do, yeah i know right I'm one of like four people in the world that doesn't buy elixirs on principle, not just because they're <laughs> expensive. <laughs> it just, I I that's, feel they're generally too bright. Like that's just how I, I just, I feel like they're just way too bright. Um, and I don't know if it's the nano web or whatever the, the phosphor bronze they use. I tend to use Martins. That's what I use a lot. Okay. Yeah, but I don't. I don't like the coded strings. I one, I don't like the feel, and everyone says, "Well, you need to use the micro, nano, tiny web, or whatever the heck it's called." But um, usually, I just I don't like the way the webbing sounds. It's strange. I know blasphemy, but that's generally the way I feel about it. Now that said, there's some legendary players that have some surprising string setups. I think.
0: Ones that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yes, we did some research before because we are unpaid professionals of the podcasting world. We did uh, some research into the string gauges of legendary guitar players and found some pretty interesting stuff. Could uh, you give us an example of something that surprised you?
1: The biggest one for me was Jimi Hendrix, I think. Okay. So why. Jimi Hendrix played a, a set that was 9 to 38. Which to me just seems really light all the way across the board. So, just really yeah. strange, really strange. And to top out at 38, I guess apparently he also used a 10 to 38 setup. But still, you know, when you think of your average 10, usually is, is 42 or 46 or something like that on the top end.
0: Yeah, so 38 it, is, yeah, it's, it seems very, very light, especially for that low E. I'd just be really uncomfortable with that.
1: Yeah, but I suppose that probably helps in what I will say. So I'm not a huge believer necessarily in the string gauge making a tremendous amount of difference in terms of uh, tone. Tone, Okay. But I think in the way the string interacts with the pick, that is going to change things a little bit. So I suppose you can say, well, that's tone. Fine, whatever. But... I, I think that might explain just sort of the looseness of the feeling when you listen to the open strings on, for example, something like Purple Haze, when he's banging away on those open strings, and that open or on that opening riff,
0: I think that might make a little bit of a difference there. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the big thing about Stevie Ray Vaughan and that everybody knows that he used 13th uh, as like his, his go-to, which everybody's like, that's crazy. That's it. He did tune down half a step. That'd be yes. noticed. Bush, However, uh, there's there's an interesting thing
1: about that, right? Just the me. fact that, well, I think probably many of us have been there when we read about Stevie Ray Vaughan and thought, uh, to sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan, I gotta go out and buy some 13s, right? And a cheap screamer, <laughs> Right, exactly. And I know for my part trying, trying to play on something like that without playing like he did for you know, he'd go and play three-hour gigs.
0: Yeah, that's a big part of it as well. Like, he, he was a pro for most of his life.
1: Yeah, and, and those those strings, the reason he chose those strings were because all the others would break. They couldn't yeah. handle the constant stress of just being beat to hell night in and night out. Like, so that's, that. that's something something to remember and that I don't think, and when you think that, Stevie Ray Vaughan was imitating a lot of what Hendrix had done. You've got two vastly different string gauges. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for finding a gauge that you like, that works for you and your guitar, and just going from there. Now, were, was there anything that sort of struck you as a little bit surprising as well?
0: Well, with with me, I think uh, there's a few things. I think I was very surprised by how light some of the string gauges were. Like, I, I there's, the, you know, the whole thing that... Tony Iommi used eights because of his fingers. Yeah. You know, he, he had very sensitive fingertips because of that horrible accident he was in. Uh, so, eights make sense. But then again, you have people like, you know, a lot of people would say with blues, you go for heavier gauges. But then you've got B.B. King and Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top using eights. It's yeah. Crazy. You know, I'd, it'd be like, it would be like playing cheese strings, you know, just like <laughs> so <laughs> bendy and. Ooh. Uh, I'm quite uncomfortable. Also, like you think that you know Kirk Hammett uses elevens for his bottom three strings, but James Hetfield uses nines. Right. It's just you know the same sound. I suppose it's just finding whatever works for you. Um, I like hearing that Malcolm Young used twelves though that was but Angus only used nines. yeah, but you're that's all about the lead playing and the rhythm playing contradiction, right? Now.
1: Yeah, but I think when people think of heavy, you know, there's a tendency to think like, okay, you've got to go heavier strengths. Like I need 11s or 12s or something like that. But when, yeah. when you look at what a lot of these classic metal guys played, it's not that heavy. And even, no. even more modern players too, when you look at what they use. And Dimebag, when he was rarely in standard tuning, used 9s. <clears throat> So yeah. that, that to me indicates that it doesn't necessarily matter as much your string gauge as it does a lot of other factors. Yeah, How, how you're playing, how you, how you attack, you know, what kind of gain stages you're using on your amp and overdrive pedals and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like yeah. Heaviness is not so much just big, thick strings. That doesn't, I don't think that makes as much of a difference as just how you play and what you play so i mean that's, jimmy page used eights and yeah. to this day i think you can look at a song like cashmere and just feel like yeah that's a heavy song
0: yeah Page's that's eights, a good point actually yeah you know interesting no i, th- I think that's, that's really good just one question before we move on to our, our interview of the day what is a wound g because i've never asked anybody you see you buy strings and they have like wound and unwound strings
1: yeah typically that's something that i've seen more with heavier gauges so 11 and up maybe 12 and up and something that you might encounter more with uh jazz strings so if you have a flat wound oh okay which are which are are cool i've i've got a guitar that is kind of my string experimenting guitar if i just want to try okay. out something else and see how it feels or see how it sounds then i just i throw a different combination of strings on it and the wound G usually makes an appearance there. And essentially, just like your lower three strings, your E, A, and D, it has. it is it is also wound instead of being smooth. Kind of more it's, like an acoustic, you know? So your acoustic okay. guitar, well, your E and B are the only ones that don't have the extra wire wound.
0: Yeah, around going it. around it, yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, that's my question answered. Friends, fellow guitar players, guitar enthusiasts, we're moving on to our interview section of the podcast. Uh, John, you recommended Christoph Goten as a possible interviewee. And I was skeptical, but within 30 seconds of talking to him, I was like, this is the nicest guy in the world.
1: When are you going to trust me, my
0: friends? Seriously. I've I've been hurt before. (laughs) Uh, Also, I think he was the first player we've had even before Bubblefoot that actually had a guitar on his lap for the whole... Uh, you know because we, we we got a mix up with the time difference and he well, just sat there you know shredding for an hour before before we actually logged on and so he gave us he actually gives us I think there might be a bit hard to hear but he gives us a few licks throughout the uh throughout the interview which is really really cool That it was a really really nice touch uh, yeah. yeah and that guy he's just so happy he's the happiest man in the world he's like French shred Santa <laughs> Yeah, it Ooh, was, which is, which is a high compliment.
1: Yeah, fan, he, he was he was absolutely fantastic. So, without further adieu, uh, yeah, that's that's my terrible French accent, um, and and anyway, enjoy, Christophe Godard. Voilà, incroyable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are now recording. So okay, so I got
2: to be careful about what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> uh only a little bit. We can always edit it out. So. Yes, if you swear in French, we don't have to edit it out. So
2: I'll do that.
1: Anyway, uh thank you, Christophe, for joining us. Um super excited to have you on the show. Love what you're doing, love your stuff. Um and uh yeah, so thanks thanks
0: for joining us. My
2: pleasure. Thank you very much for you know proposing to me this interview. So I guess it's gonna be fun.
0: Absolutely. So where, whereabouts are you, like, you, you're, I mean, you're, you're in France right now, but are you just coming off a tour or are you recording?
2: Well, it's an ongoing thing because we're celebrating our 20th anniversary with the, with the trio. It's been 20 years since we've been on the road. So we have, you know, parts of the world, uh, little by little, we're invading the whole world. So we started with China during summer. We've been doing the UK and Holland uh, last month. Uh, now we are in France because our fan base is bigger here. So we have about 30 gigs in France during the 3-4 upcoming uh, month. Wow. And then it's going to be, uh, I think there's something bad in the U.S. We're going to go back to China. There's going to be Russia. There's going to be quite a lot of things. So uh, it's an ongoing story. That's going to probably take us to the end of uh, 2017. And probably we'll spread it up a little bit. Although it won't make sense to call it the 20th anniversary once it's over, but we're gonna. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's great. That's that's awesome. I think what I love about that is just the uh, the amount of of work that you put into it, just constantly. You're you're a very busy guitarist, and you're constantly working on different projects. So. I think one of the, the big questions we would have for you too is how do you how do you find the time to keep practicing or keep writing or doing new stuff?
2: Well, actually, practicing and uh, you know creating new stuff is not a big issue time wise because if, when you're on the road, you got plenty of you know the, those moments where there's nothing to do when you're you know you're waiting in an airport, you're waiting in a, in a train station or whatever, or in a hotel room. So uh, there's plenty of uh, opportunities to uh, to compose and to practice. I mean, it's more difficult to keep a real family life or things like that than practicing the guitar. Because I'd say the more you tour, the more you have the guitar in your hand. Mm. So, uh, and I I don't think in terms of you know having a, a tight schedule about time to compose, time to practice. To me, it's all mixed together. And uh, you know, as I was saying, uh, when I was waiting for you, I just spent one hour just you know uh playing things that i haven't practiced for a long time for example and some some ideas just popped out uh, just by themselves and uh so it kind of a you know i don't have like a a very tight schedule um i mean it's not too tight not to practice the guitar
0: i don't know (laughs) that's good that makes sense It's great (laughs) that's that's really it's really refreshing kind of attitude because with us we've always been like ah can we fit in guitar here or there or you know but i like the idea of it just like being a very kind of a not getting too stressed about playing just you know it's not a big deal just you know play when you can and not getting too tied down to a routine
2: i'd say that it's easier probably now that i'm i'm turning 15 very soon and uh when i was 20 when i was 30 i was really thinking about you know practicing all the scales and arpeggios and everything because you put you you put some pressure on yourself but you know with a little perspective you kind of uh, notice that it doesn't really help you getting better at composing or at phrasing mm-hmm. you just get a lot of knowledge and the, the point is uh what 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 is this knowledge worth uh i mean how am i going to use it uh if it's just for the sake of playing as fast as possible or Knowing as many things as possible it's as stupid as learning by heart a whole dictionary word in any language I don't know yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that that's great yeah, that's great that's great. so what advice would you give then in in making sure that your practice has this because obviously um, there's there's going to be some technical things that you want to improve on or that most people want to improve on, but then how do you also how would you advise someone to work on their, say, compositional skills while simultaneously building their technique up?
2: I am mostly work on my guitar to try to uh, to achieve the music that I have in my head. And we, we were all born with a fantastic instrument. It's our voice. And most people don't use it. Mm. And uh, I'd say in France, for example, uh, when a kid is singing in the school, uh, you kind of tell him to shut up. Uh, instead of telling him go ahead you know go on go on we want to hear what you want to, what you want to sing and uh, I've always been that kind of guy who recorded any ideas with the phone anytime it's you know it pops out of my mind I just sing something and then when I'm back home I'm trying to see okay now it sounds like that I I would try to find ways to make this happen on the guitar so you know it's the other way around Uh, than just practicing things and wait for something to pop up. Uh, it's more like you know having something in your head and it has to make sense on the guitar neck.
0: Yeah uh, yeah no absolutely.
1: Yeah I, I like that just being able to, to sing things back. I think that's uh, it strikes me that's a key idea in phrasing in general. Uh, something I try to get my students to do. Now, Christoph, do you have private students as well?
2: I do, I do, in my in the school in Geneva where I'm teaching. I've been teaching there for
1: 27 years. Wow, oh, wow, okay, cool.
2: Oh, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're experience. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you experience. Yeah. Yeah, you can put it
0: that way. <laughs> you're very polite, thank you. So what
1: are some of the, the challenges then, I think, with, with private students that you find when, when someone comes in um, particularly with a caliber player such as yourself I'm sure like they think hey I want to just be able to shred like this guy what are some of the challenges you find as a teacher in um, in those incoming students
2: well I have a, a bunch of questions that I'm, I'm asking the guys the first time they come to the uh, to the classroom uh, you know just to, to see if it's all about the music or if it's just about the guitar and uh, most of the time if it's too much just about the guitar I try to make them understand that if you don't have a musical content you can work as hard as you want you will just be you know like a very fast typewriter but you won't be a musician <laughs> you know? and uh so and most people are very uh are aware of that once they've heard that kind of uh, that kind of advice um most of the time you know me when I was a kid, first time I saw uh the, the first guitar hero I saw on stage was Ted Nugent. And uh I saw Ted wow. Nugent.
0: Ted Nugent.
2: Yeah. When he wasn't that kind of a political monster that he has become he <laughs> was a musician at the time. And uh I was just blown away by, you know, he, he could play very fast. He could play. But there was also a very strong music and musical statement mm-hmm. about, about uh, you know some some the old stuff I, I wasn't aware of. And once I kind of started to see where that was coming from, it kind of built up my culture and I kind of knew a lot more about music than just trying to pick up licks from his playing or whatsoever. So what I'm trying to do when I do this little, you know, this little uh, questionnaire with my students and they point out one specific guitarist, uh, I try to, um, to make them understand where his playing comes from and I try to play some tunes. That are related to his playing, to his culture, to his roots and most of the time they open their mind to the fact that it's not just about being a guitar hero, it's about having listened to tones of different songs, having practiced them and then it becomes your playing. See what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. yeah. more
2: broken English.
0: No, no, that's, <laughs> that's such it. a great perspective yeah. to have.
1: Yeah and it's super articulate by the way, so uh, I, I'm curious for yourself then what are some of the non just in that statement what are some of the non-guitar influences I guess on your music
2: oh I've been listening I'll tell you my biggest influence you might not believe it but it's Joe Jackson I don't know whether you know about that guy he's a yeah DJ yeah pop, yeah and uh, th- that guy had such an influence on me you can't imagine and it, it, it really, um, it, I can really hear it now when I'm, when I'm looking back to the things that I have recorded like 10 or 20 years ago. I can still hear that influence in my in my composing and even in my playing. The, the choice of notes sometimes is really coming. For example, a very simple example. Um, it uses a lot of, uh, of the ninth interval. So when you have, for example, uh, C minor seventh chord. You will use the D notes to start a melody, right? And I, I know, you know, I realized with uh, with time that this is really something that that got stuck in my playing for years. And uh, the simple fact that I've been listening to all of these songs have become something that is part of my playing, even as a guitarist. So Joe Jackson is the main thing. Oh, up. that's
0: so cool! Wow, yeah. that's neat. Nice. That's really neat. Nice. <laughs> cool. I love hearing when when vocalists have an influence on on guitar players because it really is like you were saying. If you can't sing it, then it's it's you know it's not going to be as powerful as no. you know shredding Point. for days.
2: Yeah, I mean you can shred as fast as you want as you as you want. But if if nobody remembers what you just played uh, I and mean, nobody can remember a melody or some you know some melody <laughs> constants, so doesn't really make sense? You can't sing under <laughs> your shower. You want to sing. <laughs> We've all tried. I mean, who would sing? You can't sing that, but you want to sing like, and that makes more sense to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. God, that's 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 amazing. and yeah, I
1: think that's one of the key things that comes through in your playing is your uh, melodic sense. A lot of a lot of your main melodies are super memorable, easy to sing back. Um, and just really tasteful lines, and I think a lot yeah. of through. I'm, I'm
2: brushing in the shadow; you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's because what I what I just mentioned before. Most of the songs we have we have in the band, and actually these aren't just my compositions. It's a it's a band effort, mm. and uh, it comes. Uh, you know, it's like playing chords, singing a melody, and if the melody is catchy, then we put it into a song uh, in an instrumental song content. I don't know whether you see what I mean. I mean, it wouldn't make sense if I was just composing with my guitar in hand and try to use my my abilities or my arpeggios or my my scales to compose something. To me, it wouldn't make sense.
1: It's interesting. It seems I, I don't know. To me, that seems somewhat uh, counter to what most people would think of when they think of an instrumental guitar player. Is they're they're the one that composes and thinks through the whole process.
2: No. I my case at all I'm really just the guy the guy in the band that plays the guitar
0: and and as far as guitar heroes for you like apart from the nuge um, like who would you who would you <laughs> oh I know that's, that's not that's not good in that territory but who who would you who else would you admire guitar player wise like you know
2: well to these day these are this, the same names as when I studied the guitar and Holdsworth probably is my biggest mm-hmm. influence.
0: John's a massive Holdsworth
1: fan. I can't yeah. get past the tone. But. The the syntax is hard to listen to. I don't deny it. Well.
2: Yeah, um, 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 I, I agree with that. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, when he is playing, you don't hear a guitar a guitar player. You hear something that comes, you know, from aerospace. Or, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but he, he doesn't think like a guitarist. He has right. really something different. So I'd say also Jeff Beck. Because when Jeff Beck hits a note, you know it's Jeff Beck.
0: Jeff Beck, yeah.
2: Most <laughs> so of the other guitarists, they need to make a whole phrase, so you can He <laughs> um, just need a note, one note. So a uh, touch, Eddie yeah. Eddie Van Halen, of course, because uh, I think he just, you know, took the guitar to the next level, and uh, rhythmically is probably the, the most. Amazing guitarist I've ever heard in my
1: life. I was just <laughs> saying that. <laughs> so, in, in our episode last week, I, I just mentioned that. So, I was like, his rhythm playing is completely underrated.
2: Uh, and most people miss that. I mean, yeah. uh, he, he's so much of a groovy guitarist. What he does, I don't know whether you know that song from the very first Van Allen, I'm the One. You know, yeah. that very first I can't play that and I can't play it just the way he does because right. it's just so naturally groovy when when he plays it I mean he's amazing I say
0: people get distracted by the two hand tapping
2: yeah of course because everybody loves what what is shining <laughs> <laughs> right. but when you for example with my kids my kid I have two kids they are not into music and we're listening to music together. They don't, don't care, care about that. how fast the guitar player can play. They just want to tap their foot to the rhythm of the song. Um, yeah, that, give me that uh, 120 BPM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. So, so, that that's that's the thing. I mean, if you get if you listen to Van Halen and you get the 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 rhythm the rhythmic content of his playing, then you understand why he is such an influence on on all of us. And I would add, Scott Henderson probably. Yes. Scott Anderson has it all. I mean, he can be as dirty as a blues player. He can be as sophisticated as a fusion player. Uh, he can be as heavy as a rock guitarist. So he's got it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great oh, list there. Really, really nice. Um, God, that's pretty. Uh, just as far as our, our students are always talking about, well, sorry, our listeners and students and at common discussion that comes up is but like the idea of, of playing faster. And would you be one of the guys that would swear by a metronome and building up speed? Or
2: Yes, I do. <laughs>
0: Ooh, old school. <laughs> yeah,
2: look at that. But very noisy, so you can really hear it, you know. It, it has the the most embarrassing sound. <laughs> oh, oh the light. <laughs> so last time I was practicing, I had, you know, that 80 BPM tempo set so yes i'm I'm practicing every day i'm practicing with the metronome oh, that's what, what we we sucked the most at as guitarists i was so bad uh rhythmically so uh so yes and in a trio format like i'm doing with my, my mates uh, i had no choice because they are like i don't know whether the word is pronounced correctly they are ayatollahs of uh you <laughs> know, of <different laughs>
0: God, then, I'm, I'm, I'm saving that one.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> okay.
0: God, it's amazing, Christoph. Thank you so much. Um, so what's what's in the future for you as a as in the guitar world? Like you've got your tour, which will continue to next year.
2: Yes. and, and in, the, you... in the meantime, we will release our seventh album. Uh, so we're working on it right now. And we have a project with uh, the trio plus a singer. This is something we're working on because I've been playing in a, in a band that was doing kind of a Pantera meets the Beatles kind of stuff, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of course. and I, I want to go back at playing those very heavy riffs and just being in the background and, you know, doing this yeah. before I get to do that, and, uh, and I still have a guitar, an acoustic guitar duet with an amazing guy you have to check. His name is Olivier Roman Garcia. Is one of the most impressive guy I've I'm been in touch with. I'll put the uh, I'll, I'll write back to you on the on the mail that we have traded and uh, I'll send you the name of that guy because this is really one of the guys to check at the moment. He's
0: got a great name, I'm already impressed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's long. laughs> so is, is he uh, is, is would this be like a nylon string thing that he's playing?
2: Yes, he's playing the nylon string, but he really has the uh, Alan Holtzworth uh runs in his fingers and he's playing wow. with his fingers in the right hand so he's doing all the flamenco uh you know rhythm things and he's you you can't believe it. You you get to listen to this guy, absolutely. I'll put you some links so you can just you know expose him please.
1: Yeah that yeah, sounds yeah. great. We'll, we'll definitely put it in the show notes as well. So you get to
0: God you've got you've got so much going on. That's that's very inspiring. Oh thank you. I, I, <laughs> uh, nice so we we ask our um, all our guests one question, and it would be if you were stranded on a desert island, and you have your guitar and your amp, but if you could only take one piece of gear,
2: that's very cheesy. What I'm going to show to you, but that's the one I would take with me, and it's not because I'm sponsored by them, but that. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, because this very small pedal is like a, a multi effect in a in a stone box format. Wow. Uh, all the things I need inside. It has a very nice old school reverb, uh, a very nice old school
0: delay. And okay, uh, for the for the listeners at home, could you tell us what pedal is that?
2: Well, the name is always a little tricky. It's MS seventy CDR. I don't know okay. what and it's
0: different. it's a
2: Zoom. It's a Zoom, yes.
0: Okay. Brilliant.
2: So, uh,
0: I love Zoom products. They're they're I I for recording. They're brilliant. So that's the one I, I'll be taking on an island. Oh wow. <laughs> very good god you have that usually guitar players are like oh i could never choose but you were like right on the money yeah (laughs) because
2: i'm just using one bill wow
0: okay that's 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 so eye-opening god that's that's brilliant john have you any further questions
1: i don't think so uh christoph just where could where could people find more uh find more out find out more there we go yay (laughs) i'm not the
0: only one with a birth language (laughs) 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 <laughs> John, you speak English as your first language. No excuses. <laughs>
2: so they, they, they can just visit me on uh, www.christofgodon.com or uh, www.mogobles.com. So the, the, the band's name is a little tricky. It's M-O-R-G-L-B-L music.com.
1: Okay. Brilliant.
2: Cool. Cool. that's
1: O um, with an umlaut, right?
2: Excuse
1: me? That's O with an umlaut, right?
2: Yes, but uh, not on
0: the uh, not on the website
2: name because it Right, it.
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why you, I complicate things? Yeah. Excellent. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, and uh, yeah. well, I hope uh, I hope we get a chance to stay in touch, whatsoever, and uh, maybe one last thing before you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Transcribe
0: that, oh. listeners. Yes. As as you want. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, yes, Au very good. Christophe, what a guy. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on our little little old podcast. Yes,
1: exactly. So hello, and hopefully hello to all of our new French listeners. Glad yes. to have you guys. And presumably I'm I'm making I'm making the guess that he has pulled in some French listeners for us.
0: So. Fing, fing, fingers crossed. So, John, what have you been listening to? Or what have you been... Yeah, we'll start off with what you've been listening to this week. Oh, we're going to change it up, are we? We're gonna, yeah, we're going to turn it all on its, on its head. We're going to be unpredictable like the French.
1: Okay, so for, for the, new, the new listeners then. Anyway, um, this week, and this was partly inspired by my desire to try to get back into shape and I was in the gym and Spotify and all of its wonderful glory threw on okay. Mastodon for me and their latest album, Emperor of Sand. So if you're unfamiliar with Mastodon, what are you doing? Living under a rock? Like seriously. Their, their latest album though, once again, has just great riffs, massive sounds. We should look into what gauge strings they use. I don't gotcha. know. But anyway, Emperor of Sand came out earlier this year and uh, a couple of couple of tracks in particular just that <laughs> the opening track i found was probably one of the best the sultan's curse and then <laughs> ancient kingdom which has some great great riffs in it as well and an just awesome the names, guitar the solo. names of
0: those songs is ridiculous, ridiculous. I, I,
1: I think that's what i love about mastodon like some of, it all seems to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek you know, they absolutely. they, they love what they do and they're absolutely excellent at what they do, but they also realize like it's a little bit tongue in cheek, you know?
0: Yeah, so. they're they're hardcore enough to have face tattoos, but they will also name their songs, you know, I am Ahab and different <laughs> right.
1: um, uh,
0: and the hunter. Um cool, that's that's a good one. Yes, friends, we have talked about Mastodon before. Um great chicken pickers, surprisingly. Um, which for people that do not know what that is, non-guitar players, that is not uh, interfering with poultry. That is. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, as for myself, I played a gig recently with the front man. Uh, we were both doing solo sets, the front man of one of oh, his biggest bands, oboland uh, Garage, Punk, Pop, Trio, a uh, great band. Uh, but he told, I was like, what's your album of the year? And he said this album by, new album by a band called Sheer Mag, who are a female fronted punk outfit from the States. Interesting, um, uh, John, I actually think you'd really like it. It's The songs are very kind of basic four chords, but the guitar player, he can shred. He's like a young dude. He's like 24 and he has this mad Van Halen chorus sound on his guitar, like the whole album, which is like so anti-punk, but he makes it work. It's really, really cool. Uh, weird tone but good for sure uh, also i was having dinner with my girlfriend and her family there the other night and they were like do you put on some music and i was like oh god what do i put on and so i put on one of my favorite albums from a few years ago it's a bluegrass album by michael daves who is uh, our player vocalist from brooklyn i think and chris keely from the punch brothers you know oh, the world's yeah, most yeah, yeah. What was Chris Tilly's uh, band Nickel before Creek. That? Nickel Creek. Nickel thank Creek. Nickel Creek, yeah. So it, the two of them basically went into a room and recorded uh, an album of, of maybe eight to ten bluegrass standards. Just the two of them. No overdubs, no, but nothing. Oh. And man, you should see the guitar playing. And some of it's all flat picking. It's just beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I really, really like that. Uh, it's called Sleep With One Eye Open by Chris Tilly and Michael Daves. Really worth a check out. Excellent. That sounds brilliant. Now, what have you been working on, though? So, I've had maybe th- before I go, I have maybe two or three songs that I want to finish. And one of the things we didn't talk about it when we were talking about getting out of a rut, but when you're working on parts uh, for songs and things aren't really coming together, or you're you know not too sure what to do. I did the Eagles thing of uh, if I'm writing a song in C rather than playing you know the standard D shape, I stuck a capo on five and would play it in G. So it would stay in the same key but yeah basically moving everything around we've talked about it on the show before uh and i found it was great for you know trying new shapes and things that just wouldn't have worked in the original position so yeah working on my songwriting a bit more than guitar these you know these last few days but yeah it's uh it's really it works for me uh, how about yourself
1: I, I love the idea of the songwriting thing. That's that's mm. brilliant. The myself kind of modal stuff. I've had a lot of questions this past week about modes and and what to do with them and how they function and that sort of thing. So
0: we should do an episode.
1: I, I think that sounds like a great idea in the next few weeks. And I'm just kind of trying exactly the best way to to talk about them because there's a couple it's difficult. I, I really use difficult. different approaches in my head be, and we've talked about this in the past you were working on it a few weeks back which was kind of uh, I don't know uh if you yeah. will and it was because you talked about it we talked about it and then there was I had this rash of students who just came through and were like <laughs>
0: what are the did modes you just, I, did you just describe your like group of students <laughs> as a rash and annoyance of students
1: (laughs) they were all itchy and everything there you go yeah um, they're all (laughs) red-faced demanding to know about modes so but yeah right here (laughs) it's just just rub it all over your guitar and then suddenly modes will sort themselves out what happens uh but i think i think modes are Anyway, I, I was just kind of refreshing my mind a little bit on them and then sort of going beyond it and doing things in the whatever that is, like the melodic or harmonic minor and playing around with stuff. But just just kind of refamiliarizing myself and seeing if I can come up with some compositional ideas that actually utilize the modes. I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about chord stuff. Last week I mentioned modal borrowing, and I think this comes, yeah. comes, comes, comes along with that as well
0: so that sounds really cool uh, one thing i will mention a uh, youtube channel that i've gotten really into is a uh, 12 tone it basically they go through famous it's this one guy and he goes through various songs and how the harmonies are constructed Okay. Uh, his latest one was on the baffing, bafflingly complex uh, total eclipse of the heart uh which harmon- yeah i swear to God, the harmonic structure of that is all over the place have you ever learned that song no i haven't it's crazy the the the, the harmony it's, it's mad so 12 tone check it out
1: okay alright maybe we'll put it in the show notes
0: yes we should John great episode thanks again to Christoph and we've got plenty planned for the next few weeks
1: yeah into the new year so we're will we are excited to have you guys along for the ride and big plans for the new year yes. hopefully so thank anyway. you for, joining, like,
0: for uh, you know, turning 30 with us all uh, exactly it's uh, here's to 30 more um yeah stay sharp friends